119.105 says, your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. Amen to that. Let's pray. God, thank you for being you. Thank you for loving us. Thank you about letting us know you. God, thank you for this life you bless us with. Lord, thank you for this community of believers that we get to come together and praise your name because you are worth it. God, I ask you to bless this time that we have. Allow us to lift you up because you are incredible. Jesus, I pray. Amen. I'm going to tell you, I love that song. I, I like that. I don't know what it is about that one verse when it talks about looking at your neighbors with their wealth and gold. And, and we are so good at that, aren't we? We are so good at looking at other people and saying, why do they have something we don't? Why do they have this and why do they have that? And I love that song. It's a way to start because I think so many times we forget how good God is. And God is incredibly good. 
We can't compare it uh, to what he does to others because God is good to us. I'm, I'm glad you guys are here. Hey, if you're watching online, I'm, I'm glad you clicked and you're, you're watching with us. Sometime during the service, will you take just a few minutes, fill out your connection card? Uh, otherwise, we came here to praise God, so let's do that. But before that, be before that, we have a three-minute countdown oh, sorry. to say oh, hi, yeah. everybody. Stand up. <laughs> So there you go. The countdown has begun. Greet, <laughs> greet somebody at least once.
Amazing grace, oh the King is coming. 
You ever have a song you know when you come time to sing it, you don't know it? <laughs> this, is one of those, this is one of those songs that I've sung it and sung it and sung it, but every time I sing it wrong. It just doesn't want to click. So listen to the words, please. so you have to listen to the words. <laughs> I thought number one would surely be me. I thought I would be what I wanted to be. I thought I would build on life's sinking sand, but I can't even walk without you holding my hand. I thought that I had done a lot on my own I thought I could make it all alone I thought of myself as a mighty big man but I can't even walk without you holding Lord, I can walk without holding my hand. The mountains too high and the valleys too wide. Down on my knees is where I learn to stand, but I can't hear. Without you holding my hand, <clears throat> I think that I'll make Jesus my own. From now on, when in trouble, on him I'll call. If I don't trust him, I'd be less of a man because I can't even walk without you holding my hand. Lord, I can't even walk without you holding my hand. The mountains too high valleys too wide. Down on my knees 
song. Thank you, Lee. All right, I'm going I'm to be honest with you, family. Um, nine weeks ago, I preached out of Habakkuk, and I missed some of my stuff, and it has been irritating me for nine weeks, and I have been trying really hard to figure ways I could bring Habakkuk back into our new series just so I can cover the stuff I forgot, and it is, it is bothering me. So if somewhere in the middle of my message I just changed books, you know why now. It's been harping on my soul, and it, I can't get over it. Hey, we're going we're gonna to start a new series of dark courses. Uh, we're going to be in there in a, for a few weeks, and I'm going to give you a quick disclaimer here. If you are anything like me, today's message might irritate you. Um, a, lo- a long time ago, my family tricked me into going to see a movie called Lord of the Rings, I didn't know anything about Lord of the Rings, so I went to see this Lord of the Rings movie, and I I think it was on college break, and we were watching it, and right in the middle of the movie, the credits started rolling. I'm like, what in the world? And I looked over, and and I think it was my sister, she said, oh yeah, it's a trilogy. Like, you tricked me. Why do you want to go see a movie that's not over? And I'm going to tell you, family, if you're the kind of person that likes to have that closure, not even a necessarily a happy ending, but just an ending, um, I got bad news for you today. There's not, really a, there's not really much closure here. Your closure is going to come when you talk to God because I don't have all the answers. We're going to be in the book of Judges. Now, we're going to cover all of chapter 4, but we're not going to cover all of chapter 4. That makes sense. We're going to cover it, but not cover it. There is so much material. We're going, to, we're going to just dive in just bits and pieces, but I'm going to encourage you when you go home, I want you to look over this passage because probably when we dive into this, Deborah, who we're talking about, is probably one of the most influential, influential females in Scripture. So let's, let's just jump in here real quick. We're going to be in chapter 4. We're going to read a little bit and stop. Chapter 4, I'll give you just a few more seconds. All right, chapter 4, verse 1. And the people of Israel again did what was evil in the sight of the Lord after Ehud died. And the Lord sold them into the hand of Jabin, king of Canaan, who reigned in Hazor. The commander of his army was Sisera, who lived in, I can't say that word, Hamashah. Then the people of Israel cried out to the Lord for help, for he had 900 chariots of iron, and he oppressed the people of Israel cruelly for, 10, or for 20 years. Now Deborah, a prophetess, the wife of Lapidom, was judging Israel at the time. She used to sit under the palm of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim. And the people of Israel came up to her for judgment. We're going to stop there. You know, we, when we dive in here, the first thing we've got to do is, is we've got to get to know who Deborah is. If you want to understand this passage, we've, we've got to understand who Deborah is. Deborah is the only female in scripture that was written about that was both a judge and a prophetess 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 don't 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 correct me because i'm going to say it wrong all day 
She is only one of five women, I believe, that are described, or four women, described in the Old Testament of the prophetess females. There's Miriam, um, there's Huldah, there's Noadiah, and then there's just the prophetess that's listed in Isaiah. So she is the only one that was listed in these, in these, two, these two circumstances, which is ironic, and the only reason I point this out is because oftentimes in the Christian faith, people say the same words. They say, your Bible is sexist. No, that's, that's not the case. That's, that's really not the case because there are several women that were mentioned in Scripture that were, were so influential, but Deborah is the biggest. And what's funny is, is I, don't believe, I don't believe God makes mistakes, and I don't really believe in coincidences in the Scripture. So I'm going to give you a coincidence. In Scripture, do you know what the, the name Deborah means in Hebrew? Does anyone know this? Is, this is your Bible test. It means bee, B-E-E, like a bumblebee, honeybee. And it's, it's ironic, kind of, that Deborah is used as the term for bee because when we look and analyze bee behavior, Deborah is really close to being a bee. See, a, a bee basically lives to serve. And you know, it's, it's funny to me that, that researchers now are spending money and they're arguing about, do bees sleep? That's one of the big studies they're doing. Do bees sleep? And one group of studies say bees don't sleep. One group of studies say they do sleep. And I like that we're arguing about this and they're saying bees are so busy, busy bee, that they don't stop sleeping. And there's, there's all these really neat features about a bee and it, it just seems to really summarize Deborah. When a hive gets too hot, Bees flutter their wings to cool it down. When a hive gets too cold, bees vibrate their body to warm it up. And here is a bee, part of the, the group, serving because they know their, their place in life. Here's Deborah, and we look right there at the words. She used to sit under the, under the palm of Deborah between Ramath and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim, and the people of Israel came up to her for judgment. You, you look at those words and my naiveness says she's the judge so people would come to her with their problems that would be a really fun job that's my naive side that's my childish side and then as my mature side says being a judge sounds fun until you're a judge and then all of a sudden you've got all these people lining up wanting you wanting you to solve their problems and that doesn't sound like fun because no matter what 50 percent of that equation means someone doesn't like you and i started thinking about how do you how do you not start to hate people when you're in that situation all day long you sit under a tree and and people bring their problems to you how do you not finish the day and go i don't like people I started thinking of all, maybe it's different now, but we have silly problems with people. 2018, a man went to a judge and asked to legally change his age because it was affecting his success rate on dating apps. He said, I'm too old, my, my success rate is too low. In 2017, a man sued a girl. He took her on a date Guardians of the Galaxy, part two, 
He sued her because she was on her cell phone the entire movie, and it ruined his movie-going experience. She agreed to settle for $17.43 if he would leave her alone. A person sued Junior Mints, the candy distributor, because there was an empty space in his box. Red Bull, the energy drink, was sued. They lost $640,000 because it did not give the man wings. Remember the commercial, Red Bull gives you wings? They lost $640,000 for that. And my, and my favorite, in 2012, a kidnapper sued his victims for breach of contract. He fell asleep and his victims ran away. And when he was captured by the police, he filed a lawsuit. He said, my victims agreed to help me hide from you. And I think about this and I, I think... This is the kind of nonsense that Deborah would have sat and listened to. So when, when her name means B, really fitting. She's, she's part of something. And then I started to think to myself, I wish there was a way that we could communicate better to our brothers and sister believers that, hey, you're a B. You're a B. You're, you're, part, of, you're part of this hive. You're part of this family and we need you. The hive would die if the bees weren't there to maintain temperature. The hive would die if the bees weren't out going and doing their work. And I think to myself, I wish we had more bees. I wish frequently more people would look at themselves and say, I am not just an individual, I am part of something. And so we look at this passage this is, a really neat, this is a really neat thing here because Deborah fits the, the persona of a bee perfect. She knew her place and she knew who her king was. She wasn't, she wasn't in charge and she recognized that. She knew that she served God. And with something else here, and, and we might get in a debate about this, but I'm gonna share it with you because this is important. I don't know whose versions say this, but I'm willing to bet the, the uh, the Bible that you have in your hand right now is going to say these words right here, and I believe it's verse 4. It says, now Deborah was a prophetess. Do you see these words? The wife of Lapido. Do you have the, does anyone have something different in your scripture? I don't think you do. All right, so if you want, if you're a Bible writer like myself, I, I write notes in my Bible. I'm writing on that, that word wife. There's a question mark over there. See, when we, when we really dive into Deborah, this is really cool. Maybe I'm the only one who thinks this is cool, but I'm going to share it with you because this is awesome. That word wife is also the meaning of the word woman. So we look at this, and a lot, of, a lot of translators, the majority of them, that's why this is here, a lot of them believe that it's, it's simply put, this is the wife of, of Lapidil. But, but, could be a little something different. Jesus was referred to as what? Jesus of Nazareth. Why? Because that's where he is from. So it could be Deborah, the woman of Lapido, as a place. That could mean that. Because wife and woman are the same words in Hebrew. Or, we get even, even kind of cooler here, the word Lapido also means the word flame. And since as a, as a prophetess, it could mean the woman of flame, which would indicate that that Deborah was not only the judge sitting there, she was also the keeper of the flame in the temple, which means she was a wick maker. Kind of unusual. Or it could mean 
She was the woman of flame, not as a job, but as a personality. That she was so on fire for God, she was called the woman of fire because she was just so zealous for God. Why is this important? Why? Because we're not going to know. We don't know exactly what this means. Does it mean her, her husband is, is Lapido, a name? Does it mean a place? Does it mean a, a term in the, the temple? Does it mean a personality trait? Why is that important? Because it's just simply Deborah, the one who helps speak for God. And I personally think that's cool. Why? Because we're never going to absolutely positively know who Deborah was until it comes time to meet God. And if you have this question in your mind like I do, perhaps you'll ask. But we don't know. We simply know she was simply there to serve. All right, now let's, let's read again. We're going to back up just a hair. We're going to start in verse 1 again. I, I told you, we're not going to get all the way through the, the chapter. We're not going to be able to do it. And the people of Israel again did what was evil in the sight of the Lord after Ehud died. And the Lord sold them into the hand of Jabin, Jabin king of Canaan, who reigned in Hazar. The commander of his army was Sisera, who lived in Hasherah. Then the people of Israel cried out to the Lord for help, for he had 900 chariots of iron, and he oppressed the people of Israel cruelly for 20 years. Uh, for you Bible scholars, I'm going to give you some things, and some of this stuff you'll probably know. But in order to know and understand what was going on now, we have to understand what was going on in the past. The fact that these people of Canaan had 900 chariots, it would be a lot like 900 tanks rolling into Sierra Vista. It was, it was an advancement in, in military might. And here's what was really cool. And here, it, if you got your history right, Joshua came about 200 years before Deborah, correct? And let me, let me make sure I got all my, my terms right here. The last biblically recorded battle of Joshua, they encountered these iron chariots and horses of the Canaanites. Israel wiped them out. All the cities of Madon, Shimron, Ashpath, Deber, Anab, and then they burned this town that's mentioned, Hazar, they burned it. All of this. And now if you really know your history, what was the king's name that Joshua killed? It was King Jabin. In the last battles of, of Joshua in the scripture, Joshua killed this king Jabin and just destroyed the cities. I mean, he went through them. He wiped them out. It wasn't even really a fight. They cleaned house. Now you're probably thinking, is this king Jabin an immortal? He's not. King Jabin, this is the second King Jabin mentioned in scriptures. Archaeologists have found three more King Jabins written in history. So there's at least, at least five King Jabins in history. It was a, a dynastatic name, which means it was just a king's name that was what's going on. Why is that important? Because this is what's why important. Those words right here, he oppressed the people of Israel cruelly for 20 years. Why? Why not? Be honest, family. Be honest. Let's put it in our context. If someone came in, Tucson, and conquered us, and slaughtered our leaders, took over, and 200 years later, it's retribution time, would you? If you knew you now had the opportunity to oppress the people that oppressed you, would you do it? Come on, be honest. More than likely people would. 
And so that's these words here when it talks about Deborah and the, and the people cried out and they were sold into slavery and they were oppressed, I believe it was worse than usual. Why? Because these were the exact same cities that their grandfathers and great-grandfathers destroyed and conquered. And now it's time for payback. You have to know that before you know this. You have to understand where they came from to see where they're going. And then, and then my, my, my ironicness comes out. Here's the ironic part. Does the people cried out because they were enslaved in 20 years? You know what's funny about that to me? Some of the people that were being oppressed were not part of the problem that caused them to be there in the first place. The people that were being oppressed were some of the people that didn't even do it. So in the words it says they did evil in the sight of the Lord. Those people did evil in the sight of the Lord. Some of the people that were being oppressed were being oppressed for something that they didn't even do. You know why that makes me laugh? Because we still complain about that today. We go, I feel like God's angry at me. I feel like I'm being punished. And I feel like I've got all these things going wrong in my life. And I don't know what I did. It's the same words that Israel would have said. They would have said, I didn't even do this. And I'm still, I'm still catching grief for it. Same thing happens today. Why is that important? Because oftentimes the ups and downs in our lives happen not because of our actions, but because of the actions of someone else. And so many times we allow the events in our life to dictate the direction of our faith. And I'm saying you're letting the actions of someone else, their consequences are still affecting you just like the Israelites were having. That can't determine your faith. And I look at that and I, I just kind of giggle to myself that things just don't really change. That things still happen today, that, that still, oftentimes, the things we struggle with, we struggle with, with problems that we didn't even really even do. And I, I really giggle because I think I kind of grew up with this. You know, I would, I would go to school and, and people would say, oh, it's, it's Jerry Barklow. I know that name. Your brother and sister were awesome. They were such good students, and it used to grind my teeth I'm like, I am not Kelly. I am not Hal. If they were good, I'm bad. Whatever they did right, I'm doing wrong. Why? Because that's who I am. And now I really laugh because now my son gets to deal with it. They go, oh, Barclow, are you related to Jerry? Oh. See, these, these effects that we have are, are oftentimes, the oftentimes it, it just doesn't change. You know, we, we deal with the same problems. And... And then, then we really start diving into it and we say, why would the, we would look and say, why do our oppressors hate us so much? Because my great-great-grandfather did something and we're doing the same thing today. We have nations and people that hate America, not for what we did, but for things that happened a hundred years ago. It's the same thing we're struggling with. We have people that will look at us and judge us and treat us different, not because what we did as believers, but what other believers did 200 years ago. They go, oh, I know what Christians did. And I go, I didn't do that. I didn't do that. And they go, oh, I know you Christians, what you did 200 years ago when you twisted scripture and you, you slaughtered people. And I go, I didn't do that. That's the same thing that Deborah is facing right now. 
So as she sits at this tree and the Israel nation comes to her to solve the disputes, she is dealing with the exact same outside circumstances that we deal with today. All right, let's go. One more. And this is, this is where it's going to really irritate some people, myself included. All right, verse, I think that's verse 6. It says, She sent and summoned Barak, Barak the son of Abinam, from Kadesh, and said to him, Has not the Lord, the God of Israel, commanded you, Go gather your men at Mount Tabor, Tabor taking 10,000 from the people of Napheth and the people of Zebulun, and I will draw out Sisera, the general of Jabin's army, to meet you by the river Kishon, and his, with his chariots and his troops, and I will go with, I will go, I'm sorry, and I will give him into your hand. Barak said to her, if you will go with me, I will go. But if you will not go with me, I will not go. And she said to him, I will surely go with you. Nevertheless, the road on which you are going will not lead to your glory, for the Lord will sell Sisera into the hands of a woman. We're going to stop there. This is really awesome. Now, see, we, we built all the way up for this moment right here. Now we've got to get to know the event. And I love this part. Here it is. Here it is. So all of a sudden, Deborah is sitting at the tree. She's judging. And it, it's almost like this. Verse 6, she sent and summoned Barak. It was sudden. It was all of a sudden she stopped. She suddenly summoned the commander of the, the Israelite army and said, has not God commanded you to do this? That is so awesome to me because this is why it's awesome. How many times have one of us just been sitting and all of a sudden something goes off in our head and we go, I gotta do this. All of a sudden, uh, and I, I've heard the stories, you talk to me and I remember, I try to, I remember the stories. When you go, Jerry, it was really weird. Something in my head said, I need to go call on so-and-so. And when I did, they said they were having the worst day ever and just me calling helped. Or you'll say, Jerry, it was weird. I was driving down the road and there was a person on the side of the road and they had a flat tire. And something in my head said, stop and help them. And when I did, the person started crying because they said they had the worst day. Or they'll, they'll say, Jerry, it was weird. Something, I heard this story, something woke me up in the middle of the night and they said, I need to check on my child, and my child was sick. Why? Because I believe that was God speaking, and I believe what was happening here with Deborah was God said, you've got to do it, and here's the cool part, Deborah listened. See, we have that happen now. You know what that's called? It's called the Holy Spirit. I believe oftentimes the Holy Spirit will tell us to do something right now, and some of us, I'll use the word some, some of us listen, and others of us make excuses. See, this moment that she needed to communicate to the, the Israelite army's commander was sudden. She brought him, she talked to him, it was now. It didn't look like it was a buildup, it looked like it was a sudden call. Hey, didn't God, in fact it's a question, it said, didn't God command you? So it would appear that she believes that God was already telling Barak that this is what you need to do, and he wasn't listening, so she called him. And I'm going to ask you, family, what is God calling you to do? What is that voice in your side, your head saying right now? It's this sudden push of saying, hey, you need to do this. 
pray for this person or call on this person or go here or do this or stop doing this. And oftentimes we have this voice, but we ignore it. And I'm not saying use this as a cheat. Don't cheat. I know what some of you do. You go, "Mm, God called me. He told me he wanted me to have a new car. No, no. Or I've heard heard someone say, I kid you not. God told me I needed to get a new spouse. Like, come on. You already have a spouse. God did not say get a new spouse. Come on. I'm not saying that. Don't use God's word as a cheat. I'm saying, what is God calling you to do? And here's the second part. See, this is, this is the double part. I could talk about this all day long. This is awesome to me. Barak's answer is one of the coolest answers in Scripture. And this is what's going to bother me for a long time. Some versions will have the word only if. That when he responded to her, he said, I will go only if you go. I like the word only if better. If, if I had to be a, a scholarly translator, I would use the word only if, mostly because I think it, it depicts the situation plainer. But I love Barak's only if statement because there are so many questions here. Why? Why in the world did he say this? Why did the commander of the Israelite army, why did he look at this prophetess, this respected woman, this woman of flame, maybe, and why did he say, I'll go only if you go with me? I'm, I'm dying to know, family. Was he afraid? Was he afraid to face these chariots of iron, these tanks? Was he, was he afraid? That makes sense to me. There's been a few times that, that I am fearful of going somewhere and I'll find someone that I think is, is like super blessed, like God's favorite, and I'll be like, hey, I'll, I'll go if you go. Or like if, if there's something that has to do with money, I'm like, hey, that person's really blessed. I'm gonna listen to them because God won't let anything bad happen to them. I understand that. Was Barak simply afraid? Was he afraid that he was gonna get killed, but he thought that if he had God's favorite with him, he wouldn't die? I, I wonder. Then I wonder, there are a few people that believe this is a sexist statement. That makes sense. He's the commander of the army. He is the commander. How dare, how dare someone, a woman, come and tell him what to do? That makes sense. He would despise the fact that some non-military person had no idea what she was talking about. How dare her come and talk to him about where to bring the armies and who to fight and where to fight. And how dare her tell him he, she is going to draw out the commander of the enemy's army. How dare her? Was his, was his feelings hurt? This, see, this part to me honestly makes the most sense. Imagine, if you will, we, we were a megachurch. 15,000, 20,000 members here. We had multi-campuses. Imagine we had that now. I'm preaching up here now. Imagine in the midst of, of this mega massive church, a person who trims our bushes comes to me and says, Jerry, God told me that we need to build a new building. But to be honest, that would hurt my feelings. Like, come on, come on, I'm part of this church. Why is God telling you, not me? Come on, why, why do you get to be the one to relay this message? Was his, was his simply his, his feelings hurt? 
Was he sad that, that here's this, this person that's not a commander of the army? Is, is that the person that's going to do it? Was his feelings hurt that, that it wasn't his decision? That he wasn't going to be the one that had the, the victory? And then I, I think of that, and then the, what happens next, we're going to do a very quick paraphrasing. I really encourage you, when you go home, read the rest of this, chamber, this, this passage to figure out what's going on here. Because when, when Deborah said, you're not going to receive the glory, someone else is, it happens. And it wasn't even Deborah who received this honor. It wasn't even Deborah who got to kill this man. The honor of killing the oppressor of the entire nation. It wasn't him. See, I look at this, this passage and, and all these things resonate so true with me. I look at that and say, I, I'm sympathetic for what's going on. I, I, could, I could see the, the hesitation. I could see the fear or the anger or the, the hurt. I can, I can understand all that. But then I, I wonder to myself, what is my only if? What is my only if in this passage? And I think most of us have something. We say, God, I'll do this for you only if. So you, you have the calling just like Deborah had. You know what God wants you to do. But then you turn around and you turn into the barrack and you say, I'll do it, God, but only if. Only if. And I think of all the lost opportunities. Just like Barak lost his, his, the glory of succeeding and freeing the Israelites from their oppressors. He lost the glory. He lost that honor. What he would have wanted to do, he would have been a hero. He lost it because he said only if. And then I think to myself, what are all the things that the churches are missing right now? Because someone is saying, God, I'll do this only if. What's your only if? As our praise team comes up to lead us in the song of decision, maybe you have a different kind of only if. Maybe you have the only if that I'll, I'll come and make a decision for you, God, only if this happens. And hey, if you're watching online, the same goes for you. If you have some stipulation, you think you're, you're demanding from God, you need to drop that. No more only ifs. Maybe you're having a rough time. You feel like you're being oppressed. It's like the Israelite nation. You want some, you want some prayers. Uh, come on down. Hey, if you're watching online and you have some prayers, put that on your connection card. We look at them. We pray about them. If it's confidential, please mark it. And the same goes for, for all of us. But if you want prayers, come on down. Or if you're a baptized believer and you like First Christian Church and you want to be part of our family, I say come on down. If you're online, the same goes for you. We can, we can make something happen for you. Uh, but otherwise, let's, let's stand as we get ready to sing. <laughs>
Jerry and Jane come forward already as baptized believers, and they want to be part of this awesome family. Uh, so because of that, we get to welcome them uh, with open arms. Awesome, awesome. Welcome to the First Christian Church family. Thank you for being part of our family. Amen. Forevermore in your day. 
principal words. And the two principal words were trust and truth. Because just like Job, God requires us to improve our character by speaking justly and truthfully. We must be positive. In and during the uh, communion part of the service, I would like you all to honor God when speaking to him in thanksgiving and being truthful and trustworthy. Just a little bit about it. When God speaks of the truth, you read it in every word of that book you call the Bible. In Deuteronomy 32.4, it states, He is the rock. His works are perfect. And all of his ways are just. He speaks the truth. He does no wrong. Upright is he. So we, looking at it through God, we also read, look at as Isaiah 30:15, and he says, "This is what the servant Lord, so sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel says: In repentance rests your salvation; in quietness and trust." is your strength. But you would have none of it. Isaiah is trying to tell the people of Israel they go about wantonly without truth. Therefore, I'm asking you to do one thing today. When you go before the Lord in your meditation, before receiving the elements, please open your heart so that your heart interlocks with the Lord God and trust and truth are not only evident in the joy that you receive through speaking justly and truthfully to God, but the last thing you want to do is cloud that period of joy. And with trust and truth, you solidify that link with God. Remember also <clears throat> the element of forgiveness should be in your message when you talk to God. So, we are now prepared for the truthful and just way of communicating. Now let us pray. Dearest Father, as we go to you, let us be open and be truthful and just. Father, we ask also that you forgive us 
for not having walked on that path laid to us from Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit. Father, we ask also to forgive us for not staying on that path. To let us go forth and walk justly and truthfully. Let us be the children of God that you've prepared us to be so that we may return to you when our time here is no longer. We will be with you. And we ask that you justfully judge us and that we meet all the requirements that you see and have walked justly. We pray this prayer in the name of Christ Jesus. Amen.
God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. I want every child to know that there's a God. I want every child to know that God loves them, that God sent his son from heaven to this earth to take our sins. We've got a charge to go into the world to make disciples of all nations, to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. God, here I am. Take me and send me and use me. God laid it on my heart. The Himbas need someone to give them the word of God. My vision for the Salamakan tribe is that we will share the gospel and to establish a host church here so that they also can receive the, the, the blessing of Christ. Through the gift boxes, we are going places that no church will be allowed. Places like Gambi, that floating village. We are reaching those that have never heard the gospel. We find them having not even a Bible in their own language. Areas of the world where people need to know that God loves them and cares them and sent his son from heaven to this earth for them. God loves you and God loves me. Operation Christmas Child opened doors to evangelism, discipleship, and multiplication. When a child receives a shoebox, it shows them who God really is and how much he cares for them. We bring gift to the children, also the mothers and the fathers and their brothers and sisters also accepted the Lord Jesus Christ. The churches are using these shoeboxes, the greatest journey discipleship program, to reach out to the ends of the earth with the gospel. God sent his son to this earth on a rescue mission. Jesus Christ died and shed his blood on the cross for our sin. And then on the third day, God in heaven said it's enough, and he raised his son to life. This is the good news, and we've got a responsibility to take this message to the ends of the earth. So you still have time if you've not picked up your box yet, and we encourage you to get those taken care of. On the um, back side of your bulletin, we have our prayer concerns and our prayers of celebration. Uh, there's a lot of stuff going on around the world that we need to keep in prayer. We have a lot of people who are going through a lot of issues that we want to be in prayer for. So we ask that you take your bulletin home and keep that. It, it detaches, so if you want to, you can put that on your fridge. So at this time, let's stand together. I'm going to give you an opportunity to lift your hearts to God, and then I'll close this with a word of prayer. Wait, wait a minute. Hold on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's what was in the notes. Yeah, so if you're going tonight, please bring a dessert. Uh, let's stand together and let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for this time we've had to come together to worship. And Father, I pray that as we leave this place, we leave with hearts of joy. Father, we pray that every situation, every person that we have in our bulletin, 
People are lifting them up to you, and we know that you're going to intervene. Father, I just thank you for this opportunity to come together, and I pray that we have a great week in you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Yeah.